In patients with anemia of chronic kidney disease, how do we address hyporesponsiveness to erythropoietic stimulating agents? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Focus on Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk, PharmD. Our guest is Dr. Sarah Tomasello, PharmD, clinical associate professor at the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey, and a clinical specialist in nephrology at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Dr. Tomasello, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Before we get to the issue of erythropoietic stimulating agents or ESA hyporesponsiveness, how exactly is it that ESAs work? The erythropoiesis stimulating agents work in the same manner as our own endogenous erythropoietin. Erythropoietin is a hormone produced by the kidneys that travels to the bone marrow to stimulate the proliferation and differentiation of committed erythroid progenitor cells. So they basically help to accelerate the process of making just the baby red blood cells. The products that we have currently available in the United States, Epitin Alpha and Darbipitin Alpha, both work in a similar manner by stimulating the same receptors on the erythroid progenitor cell to enhance erythropoiesis. And how do we define ESA hyporesponsiveness? That is a very good question. Unfortunately, I don't have a very good answer. There's no consistent definition. The European best practice guidelines and the United States literature differ slightly. Generally, I think of it as a dose of epitin alpha of greater than 300 units per kilogram per dose or darbipitin alpha more than 200 micrograms per week with a hemoglobin concentration below the target range, which for KDOKI guidelines is 11 grams per deciliter, or the need for increasing amounts of ESAs with hemoglobins that are still not trending upwards. I think although we don't have a consistent definition, once you encounter a patient who's requiring more than 300 units per kilo per dose of epitin alpha or more than 200 mics of darb epitin alpha weekly, it becomes pretty clear that it's just not working the way it is in other patients. It's not working as it should. So how widespread is the problem of hyporesponsiveness to, to ESAs? Numbers from the literature range anywhere from 5 to 15% of patients not being able to achieve target hemoglobin concentrations with sort of the normal dosing of the ESA agents, perhaps even higher than that, although the prevalence data is not very consistent. Uh, What are some of the reasons for hyporesponsiveness to ESAs? Hyporesponsiveness can happen for any number of reasons. Disease states that also cause anemia, such as porphyria or thalassemia, sickle cell anemia, all disorders of hemoglobin that will in and of themselves cause anemia, malnutrition or deficiencies of essential vitamins and nutrients such as B12 and folate and certainly iron deficiency. When we talk about the use of ESAs, we can think of iron deficiency as a almost definite adverse event to the ESA use because as we rev up erythropoiesis, we burn through our iron that we have available and it's likely going to need to be repleted. Other causes, unfortunately, are not that easily identified and corrected, such as chronic inflammation. Dialysis itself can cause chronic inflammation or infections, malignancies. So there's a wide variety of other processes that may be occurring in patients, and it's imperative that we identify and correct any possible 
factors responsible for the inadequate response to our ESA therapy because the bottom line is if the ESA is not working and the patient has a hemoglobin that is below the target range, they are at risk for increased adverse events and increased morbidity and mortality. When should clinicians suspect a condition like pure red cell aplasia as the culprit for hyporesponsiveness? Pure red cell aplasia is a rather rare occurrence currently. There had been a spike in the incidence of pure red cell aplasia that was associated with a particular formulation of epitin beta in Europe. Since that formulation has been altered, the incidence has gone back to where it was prior to that product being marketed, and it is fairly rare. However, we should all be aware of it, and signs to watch for is a decreasing hemoglobin despite a constant ESA dose or increased requirement of the ESA dose and checking for the response of the bone marrow. The reticulocyte count will be very low while the platelets and white blood cells will be within normal limits, suggesting that only the red blood cell line has been affected and not any other cell lines. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Our guest is Dr. Sarah Tomasello, clinical associate professor at the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey, and a clinical specialist in nephrology at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. We're discussing how clinicians might approach a patient with anemia of chronic kidney disease who appears to be resistant to erythropoietic stimulating agents, or ESA. Dr. Tomasello, how about bone metabolism disorders? What sort of role do they play in the anemia of chronic kidney disease patient population, and and how often does that direct ESA therapy? There's many different ways in which bone disease or the mineral and bone metabolism disorders can affect erythropoiesis. When the parathyroid hormone is uncontrolled and higher than normal or when the parathyroid hormone concentration is over-suppressed and lower than the lower limit of normal, there's a chance for changes within the bone, especially marrow fibrosis or decrease in bone turnover that can inhibit the normal erythropoiesis. Additionally, the vitamin D and vitamin D receptors may play a role in in stimulating erythropoiesis in and of itself. So patients who have vitamin D3 deficiency, which is most of the patients by the time that they have end-stage renal disease, patients without vitamin D may not be having the same stimulation of erythropoiesis as patients who have the ability to activate vitamin D. Are there any drugs out there that might be directly responsible for ESA hyporesponse? Any agent that can cause cytotoxic effects, so chemotherapeutic agents, anything that would suppress the bone marrow or the immune system, such as, for instance, transplant medications like mycophenolate mofetil, serolimus, those agents are going to, by the very nature, decrease the production of cells and sometimes all cell lines. So you can see a worsening of anemia with those agents. Agents that interfere with folate, such as phenytoin or methotrexate, those agents may also cause anemia. Uh, Additionally, we have agents that may interfere with the absorption of oral iron, especially agents like the phosphate binding medications that are antacids. 
may cause a decrease in iron absorption, and iron is a necessary cofactor, if you will, for erythropoiesis. So many medications can interfere with the action of the agents we're using or cause anemia in and of themselves. What can or should clinicians do about hyporesponsiveness then to, to ESAs? I think the most important thing, and certainly the reason that I'm speaking today, is that clinicians need to identify patients who are not reaching their target hemoglobin concentrations and are receiving appropriate doses or greater than appropriate doses of the ESAs. The first step is identifying patients and then evaluating those patients for any kind of modifiable cause of the anemia so that they stand the best chance of allowing the ESA to work. So obtaining iron studies, checking the B12 and folate levels if indicated, making sure the patients are well-nourished and have enough protein and oral intake that they can make baby red blood cells, being certain that the patients are not having any kind of bleeding, gastrointestinal bleeding, using a guaiac test for occult blood. These are all things that may be overlooked but contributing to so-called hypo-response and correcting them may allow the patients to be on a more normal dose of ESA therapy and attain their hemoglobin concentration target. Are there any uh, adjuvant drug therapies that might help with ESA hyporesponsiveness? At this time, there are no adjuvant agents that are endorsed or recommended by the KDOKI guidelines. Certainly, there have been agents that have been tried to augment the response. One of the greatest causes of hyporesponsiveness that's very difficult to treat is inflammation or infection, and many of our patients have chronic inflammation by the nature of having dialysis in and of itself. So in that situation, we have the propensity to become hyperferritinemic, have a low T-SAT, and our hemoglobins are low. In that situation, agents such as IV ascorbic acid may be used to act as a reducing agent to mobilize iron from the stores in the reticular endothelial system and make them more usable. And some studies have shown that using ascorbic acid in this way has been able to lower the ferritins and increase the T-sets and also increase the hemoglobin concentrations. The other agent that's similar to ascorbic acid in the amount and actually has more literature is the use of L-carnitine, which is a necessary factor for fatty acid metabolism. And it has been shown in some studies to, again, improve the response to the erythropoiesis-stimulating agents. However, with both of these agents, L-carnitine and IV ascorbic acid, the data is with small numbers of patients. The outcomes that were studied are very heterogeneous. Even the trial designs are not, you know, mostly not randomized clinical controlled trials. So KDOKI, they don't endorse the use of these therapies. There's not enough information. However, there may be a role for them if you do have a patient who has hyperresponsive anemia and you really don't have any other reason for this to be and you've worked them up, these agents do appear to be safe in patients with, especially with hemodialysis patients is where they've mostly been studied. We've been speaking with Dr. Sarah Tomasello about ways to approach patients with anemia of chronic kidney disease who do not respond optimally to ESAs. Dr. Tomasello, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
I'm Dr. Charles Turk. You've been listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MDXM-157, and thank you for listening. You're listening to ReachMDXM-157, the channel for medical professionals. Here is a sample of the great shows airing this week. This is Dr. Lee Friedman. Please join me this week on Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania when Dr. Gordon Baltuck will discuss with us a brave new frontier in terms of uses of deep brain stimulation. This is Dr. Leslie Lunt. Join me this week on our special segment on children's health where my guest will be Dr. Thomas Eisenberg. We will be discussing the alarming trend of water pipe smoking in American adolescents. And I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. Join me this week with my guest, Dr. Jane Newberger, Associate Chief of the Department of Pediatric Cardiology at the Children's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be discussing Kawasaki disease. Thank you for listening to ReachMD XM157, where we change topics every 15 minutes. For our complete weekly guest and program guide, visit us at ReachMD.com.